This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the Blitz 1170. Having done this for so long, I never thought in a million years that it would turn out like this with fans coming out and sellouts happening. And now we're at the Hall of Fame where there's, you know, 10,000 seats and we're selling that out or close to with a conference game, but not a postseason game. So it is just a tribute to this team and other teams like Texas where people want to see good matchups. They want to see good athletes playing hard in a competitive environment. So it, it's going to be fun, and I'm just so proud of the Sooner fans for coming out because they've all been lining up out here trying to get in. So now we finally have enough seats, and they're filling the seats. So I'm really proud of that. It's Patty Gasso as Oklahoma gets set to face off tomorrow night against Texas there in Oklahoma City. Her little comment there at the end was because the lines have been absolutely insane of people trying to get in where they were even standing outside of the outfield fences to try to catch a glimpse of Sooner softball. Um, They're expecting a crowd of over 9,000 tomorrow night there to watch the Sooners play against Texas. Um, There's Patty Gasso from earlier today to the 4-3-0. Let's hit up the hotline and welcome in Eli Letterman, who's joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. What's up, Eli? How are you today, man? Pop, I'm good. You played that clip. I'm I'm prepping myself to be at all three games this weekend. And, uh, man, Hall of Fame Stadium is an incredible venue when it's full. And usually you have to wait till you know, early June for that. But the fact that they're going to have upwards of 9,000 people there tomorrow night is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it is indeed. And And what's even more incredible is – the photos and videos that you see from when the uh, Sooners actually play in Norman and you see that mm-hmm. the, what the want and the passion and the wait list is for, for people to try to get into the stadium and uh, knowing ultimately what's, what's coming with a new stadium. But um, this, is, uh, this is pretty awesome. And, it, and I think it, it really stands out when it sur- surprises someone like Patty who lives and breathes that sport and never even in her mind thought it would potentially turn into something like this. Yeah, I don't think Patty Gasso allows many things to surprise her uh, in this profession. And, and the fact that, you know, even she kind of recognized where it's gone, you know, even if she foresaw some of this, uh, it really is amazing, and it, it should be a really fun and competitive weekend, and that, that is one thing, you know, although you saw that there are times where they've been so good where you, you maybe can show up knowing the result, but getting a national title rematch for the ranked Texas team uh, only adds to what is going to be a pretty special weekend, I think. No doubt. I'm glad you'll be there, man. That should be a lot of fun. Maybe not quite like crowd-level excitement World Series type, but should be pretty damn close with uh, OU and Texas coming up there uh beginning with three games tomorrow all right you were on scene today for pro day uh there in norman what stood out to you eli from what we witnessed at pro day today 
Yeah, I'm on my way back from Norman as we speak. And, uh, you know, this pro days, not all pro days, I guess, are, are made uh, equally, I, I guess you'd say, in, in that, you know, there, there's years where you've got Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray's, and then years more like this one for OU where, um, you know, Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle, is probably uh, expected to be the first sooner selected. But there is, and, and he might be a, a day one or day two guy. Uh, but on the whole, this is um, probably more of a mid-round day two, day three OU draft class. And, and in, in a sense, that presents a lot of other interesting storylines. It's not first-round guys, but uh, I'll start with Deshaun White. You know, he's somebody – there were seven Sooners who got invited to the NFL scouting combine earlier this month. And Deshaun, uh, Deshaun White was, uh, was really probably the snub of that group. And, and after he worked out today – he said that he, he felt he took that personally and, and really saw today as his opportunity to be in front of NFL scouts and, and team personnel and, uh, and to make his mark. And so there, there, there are probably more stories like that, uh, whether it's a guy like Aaron, uh, Eric Gray or Braden Willis, guys who really had an opportunity to, today to show out. And, you know, you can only read so much into uh, a 40-yard dash number or a broad jump or a bench press, but that was kind of the vibe today. There's a lot of guys there, even Anton Harrison himself, who, who again, I, I think will be the first sooner selected. Uh, guys had opportunities to improve their stock today, and it, it was uh, interesting being there kind of watching all that unfold. So just from the numbers himself, it seems like Deshaun White, I mean, helped himself out today. Uh, maybe a few areas. And I even read a quote from him that said, hey, I didn't expect perfection gave himself a little bit of grace, but uh, he did what he needed to do, I think, to at least get some people's attention. I think so, and I think he's going to be able to, it may be about his landing spot and, and whichever organization he might land with that determines this, but I think Deshaun White will have an opportunity to create some of his own luck because he's right now viewed uh, as sort of an in-between, uh, a safety, a linebacker. I mean, that, that's essentially the role he played in that quote-unquote cheetah position in the OU defense last year is that hybrid linebacker safety. Uh, and, and he kind of said that that presents a challenge in some sense because there's uh, things you want to prove if you're going to play kind of a box safety role and a weight you're going to play at. Uh, but if you're going to play linebacker, you probably need to tack on some more weight. And there, there's organizations that probably view him both ways. Uh, and so he's in, I think in that sense, you know, there's, there's the challenges that presents, but then the versatility he can provide, perhaps that makes him a, a more attractive uh, player to, to more teams. Uh, and so I do think he did well today. I mean, this, was his, this really was his chance. Uh, you know, he said he felt the nerves. He wasn't expecting it, but, but you know, there was the reality that this was his opportunity. He didn't have the combine to show it. And he felt the nerves. He, he kind of stumbled on his first 40-yard dash attempt, but got it right with the second instead of between there. Uh, he calmed the nerves, had a couple of teammates nearby who just told him to relax. And uh, I think he made out pretty well today. And that is a good boost for a guy who, who probably needed one, again, after the fact that he, he wasn't there in Indianapolis this month. One of my favorite things about the, a day like this is that you you really get to see who was comfortable with their numbers in Indy and who wasn't. Uh, and the selective nature when it comes to, oh, well, I'm going to do this today or do that today. Um, some people felt pretty comfortable with what they had done up uh, in Indianapolis um, you know, Marvin Mims with everything that he did with some of his incredible numbers that, that he had from Indy. Why you're only going to hurt yourself in an instance like that, but who had the most attention around them today from the powers that be that gathered there in Norman? Yeah, well, you're right about Marvin Mims. I don't know how you really improve upon a 4.38 40 yard dash time, right? At the combine, he proved all that. So today he just caught passes from JT Lowson, 
Jackson in terms of blocks from the past of the NFL quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? His network at OU. Uh, you know, he caught passes today, but and, and I think uh, they did some punt return drills. It's something, another thing that, you know, Marvin Mays may project to do at the next level. But there were other guys who, who probably did have a bit more to show. Eric Gray didn't uh, didn't run at the, uh, at the at the combine earlier this month. Uh, and, and the interesting thing with him, I mean, he came came out of his 40, his second one. Uh, I guess his unofficial time that, that he either had in his head or maybe he miscommunicated. It was a 4.55, which for Eric Gray would have been wonderful. Came out closer to 4.62, and it's amazing that the the difference that makes in a day for someone like that. And I, I think he would be a guy that, that maybe wishes to put forth a better number. I, I don't know the circumstances. We don't know the circumstances around why uh, he didn't run at the combine. You, you guess just you know putting himself in the best spot. Uh, an example of that: Breeden Willis today, and he worked out but didn't run the 40. He had a, a tweak in his hammy. So he, he did all the other things, did the broad jump, did the vertical, uh, top passes, all that, but skipped the 40. So different guys are, are kind of prioritizing different things on a day like this and, and probably thinking best for themselves. But Eric Gray would have been one who certainly had an opportunity today, and it'll be interesting to see maybe what the scouts came away with. Any uh, recognizable faces in terms of representation from NFL teams? What would the you know, very often do you get a head coach. Sometimes you'll see a GM. I've seen a couple of those down there in the past. Any recognizable faces, though, from NFL teams? No one that jumped out. I mean, it's a funny week. Uh, I mean, as I said, you know, not all these pro days are created equal. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Baker Mayfield and Tyler Murray and, and some other guys in the past have attracted uh, more high-profile NFL personnel. But you consider that this was uh, one of the latest pro days in the nation, same week as the owners' meetings in, uh, in Phoenix. So I think a lot of things down to then, you know, just the the type of draft prospects OU has this year. A lot, I think, worked against, you know, maybe having a, a head coach or even, you know, high-profile in Norman today. I did have someone say that they did see uh, Brad Cragthorpe that was there, former Tulson, uh, who's the um, – assistant quarterbacks coach there for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that was at least one name that was a little bit recognizable uh, from their time in uh, Tulsa here in the past. All right, let's uh, move away from pro day, get a couple of your thoughts on the early stages of spring ball. Uh, I had a couple of questions that were asked earlier. We talked about this with Eric Bailey yesterday. I guess I'm intrigued by the level of depth that we're going to see in a couple of places, especially on the back end of the defense. We can talk about point of attack, and Brent Venables has the entire time, but I'd like to focus on the safeties and some of the defensive backs. It seems like there's a different tone that's wanting to be set right now with those guys and across all of practice. Uh, but what do we know about the, just the, the level of depth from safety right now for the Sooners here in spring bowl? Yeah, I mean, it's worth, you know, noting as much as Brent Venables has emphasized the point of attack, and I think that's where everything starts for this defense and how they view it. He has also been, and, and, and down to his assistant coaches, we've spoken to Jay Belay and Brendan Hall, uh, the two assistants in the secondary. They're really thrilled with the depth, and I, I think, you know, without going too deep into the 2022 roster, that, that is a commentary on kind of what they felt they had last year, and it's why they brought in, you know, a guy like Reggie Pearson who's played so many games with Texas Tech transfers, starting career at Wisconsin. Kendall Dolby, one of the top junior college uh, cornerbacks in the nation from northeastern Oklahoma. And, and you throw those guys in but if they wanted to, uh, maybe to the disappointment of some OU fans. If they wanted to, they on September 2nd with Arkansas State, they can start a, a secondary of four returners. 
and and I think that that is valuable. That the guys in the system, they do keep talking about that too. That I, I think some of the comp, uh, confidence in the secondary is also down to the fact that they've got impact guys like a, uh, a Billy Bowman or a Woody Washington who are back in year two of the system to then work with someone like Reggie Pearson, Kendall Bilby. Deshaun McCullough is going to take uh, that that cheetah position most likely that Deshaun White filled and, and it's probably more natural fit for the role. So I think it's, it, it's down to personnel first and foremost and then that depth is there and I, I think that's going to make a difference both you know in, in whoever that starting 11 is but for defense that we saw fade so often last year and, and that you know by the coaching staff's own admission was not deep enough they now have some of that depth they didn't have and, and, and there's no doubt that's going to serve them. I keep hearing one repeated commentary over and over so far and that is from players and from other people that have been around practice it feels a little bit different to them compared to last year. Uh, have you kind of gathered that same info from the time that you've been allowed to watch practice and also the guys that you've talked to? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And some of that is as simple as another year. I mean, I, I was the one who asked Ted Roof about that. And he, uh, well, I'm not sure it was his favorite question, but said to me, you know, how many years have you been in your job? And each year did it get easier. Um, but, you know, he, he, point, point taken that, you know, you, you spend another year in a system and with a coaching staff and in a foundation, and they've talked so much about laying the foundation and, and that last year, you know, was only step one. So this is step two. There is that comfort there. And I, I think what they have now uh, is, is competition because you, you've got the guys who have been there. And so, great, you've got leaders who can who have done this before, who can guide those new faces. But then for those, you know, those guys, we talked talk to Reggie Grimes, the defensive end the other night. You know, behind him, now you've got Trace Ford and, and Rondell Bothroyd, uh, a, pair of, a pair of, you know, veteran transfers from Power 5 schools. So, yes, those guys can, can now lead because they've been in the system, but they're also getting pushed. And I think that's, again, that's down to the depth and that, that's down to what they wanted to create this year, which was a, a deeper – more talented roster, but probably they've got a better mix and it makes them more comfortable with in terms of uh, experience, in terms of understanding of the system and all that. So so it's everything you'd want to hear about year two. And there really is that stark contrast from, from this time a year ago. What has been, in your opinion, the, the biggest storyline so far to come out of the very early portion of, of spring football? Oof, that's a good question. I think in terms of impact, I mean, I, I think I was on here, we, we spoke last week about Emmett Jones, but yep. that's a really important position group. And, and to hear, yeah, given what they've lost, and we're talking about Marvin Mims uh, having his pro day today, he's not going to be back. It leaves them pretty thin in terms of returning production and even his veteran leadership. And so a year ago to, to have lost Kale Gundy and then to have LaDamian Washington in there, who's now at UCF, and he did a wonderful job. But to have someone like Emmett Jones who's so experienced as he is, I think stepping into a group that is going to need, uh, that, that needs production and that production that we don't know they'll have until, uh, you know, probably a couple weeks into the season come the fall, having a guy like him who has, who's by all accounts, you know, brought this, this detailed approach, brought energy, all about fundamentals. I mean, if a guy like DJ Graham, a converted defensive back is going to be productive, I think it starts with a coach like Emma Jones. Same can be said for, Andrew Anthony, the Michigan transfer, J.J. Hester and L.B. Bunkley-Shelton, a couple other Power 5 transfers who have yet to, to do it here in Norman. A coach like Emmett Jones might be the key to that. And, and to me, 
in all the other conversation. We can talk about the depth of defense right now. We can talk about uh, the running backs, all that. But when you're talking about a group that, that really is going to be critical to their success and a new face within it, Emmett Jones, which upsets me. Thank you for going that route and not talking about all the hype around Jackson Arnold already because uh, I've seen a few things and I'm like, can we let the kid take a couple more snaps through spring football before we start anointing him yet? I have a feeling that he's going to be great and he has all the potential in the world, but man, we just can't help ourselves sometimes with throwing things out in sentences uh, like rhymes with Reisman with things next to Jackson Arnold that I'm like, yeah, are we already doing this? So thank you for going from a different direction from that. Glad to do it. I can I can say, uh, you know, Jackson Arnold, that he really has the whole thing down from uh, looking the part and and even sounding the part. You know, he he sounds even at 18 years old. This should be the second semester of his uh, high school senior year. He sounds like a quarterback in, in all the right ways of what I'm sure, you know, coaching staff would want to hear and, and what you've heard from quarterbacks, you know, long, long in the past uh, in terms of, of kind of what you get when the cameras are on. Uh, so, he, so he's got that down. He's getting there. Eli, good stuff, man. Uh, have fun at softball. Um, should be awesome coming up there in Oklahoma City uh, with uh, OU and Texas, man. Always appreciate your help. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz 1170 here at 218. All right, we'll take a timeout. We've got baseball on the station for you this weekend. 5.30 Saturday, it's OSU in Texas. And 12.30 on Sunday, OSU and Texas. Live from the Ike Chile House Studios, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll get set for a little FAU chat at the bottom of the hour. That's here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.